Hey, Remy's. On today's episode of The Same Room, we're going to be having a conversation with Chrisette Michelle. Y'all may know her from Aston Martin Music featuring Rick Aston Ross. Or Lost One featuring Jay-Z or her own yes. song, If I Have My Way. And it's going to be so amazing, roommates, because we're going to be having a conversation about cancel culture, accountability culture. And we're going to see where she is in her journey today. Yeah, so join us. It's such a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm excited to be here. I watch y'all and I watch you on Sundays sometimes and I get to be so inspired. So it's really just kind of surreal to be in your presence. So. And, yeah, and we feel the same way. Like we, when we were talking about you and being on the show, we were like, this is so amazing. Um, just because of, I know what the impact of this conversation would be. You know, one of the things like we are about faith meeting culture and something that we admire about you is how vocal you are about your faith. And so before we get into like the episode, um, just talk to us about your experience with Jesus and what was that first moment that you got to know him? My, I, was, I was born on a pew. Like raised, you know, my mom was a choir director, my dad was a deacon, so money belonged to God, my life belonged to God. We, the culture was that we were the offspring of, 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 of God's ideas. And so that was how I wrapped my experience as a kid. Um, you know, everything that you did was in that mindset. Um, four years old, I sang, yes, Jesus loved me for the first time, um, you know, at church. And then at nine years old, I got filled with the Holy Spirit uh, by the laying on of hands. And I had wanted it so bad because I grew up with this ridiculously um, uh, low, low, low inability to pay attention, attention deficit disorder and hyper, you know, active attention deficit disorder as a kid was my jam, like we're moving all the time. We do 11 things at once. That's my special talent. Um, but my mom, she could pray. And when she prayed, she was still. And apparently she found out things when she did this. So I wanted to be able to do that because my mind was like, what do we do next? And I would tell myself, but my mom had you know, a better idea of what to do with life. And I knew that really young. And so I wanted God like she had it. So at nine, I was, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you explain that, like what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit for people that don't know? Was it, is it like speaking in tongues? I got your back, yep. Um, so we're on this line at one of the Friday night revivals after school. I got on my skirt because we were Pentecostal. Um, so we were very, I don't like the word strict. We just had some things that we thought might help us out a little bit if we did them. Um, I don't know what that had to do with anything, but we did it. And a kid, you know, convicted to do that and be that. Um, and I'm on this long line. And on this long line, people are getting their hands laid on them. And the whole time I'm like, I want to meet Jesus <laughs> at the end of this line because I've been messing up in school. I've been going to the principal's office. Like maybe Jesus can like make me a better kid. And when he laid his hands on me, I instantly, you know, was released onto the ground. And when I woke up, I was speaking in the language that my mom spoke in when she talked wow. to God, that my dad spoke in. Like I had the family superpower. <laughs> and I finally had that. It was coming out of my mouth and it was surreal. It's like when you first walk into Disney and you're like, no, you know, like really? And I brought it with me to school 
and I brought it to brand practice. And I, I had this, this Bible. It was like a royal blue. It was called Salty's Bible. And it was, I don't even know if the whole Bible was in it. But I wanted to tell everybody what was in it. And it had cartoons. So it was like a comic thing. And that was my identity as a kid. That, I have the Holy Spirit now. So I'm going to be a better person. <laughs> Wait, so once you spoke in tongues, you could do it. That's what I thought. Because just transparent, I never spoke in tongues. You spoke in tongues, right? I never spoke in tongues. I really want to. But no, I'll tell you my story after. I was under the impression that once you can speak in tongues, anything's possible. Like, you can save the universe. So I thought if I told people about Jesus that fights, there would be less fights in school, all this kind of stuff. I just thought the whole school would just become a better place because I was going to bring Jesus to school. So I brought him, and they made me a peer leader as a kid. And as I got older, I continued in this peer leadership space. Um, and that became who I was. It was, it was y- you, you can have something on the inside that sort of curbs your appetite for, for being violent or, or, or acting out in anger. Um, because when I was really young, I could act out in anger pretty good. Uh, that was the other family superpower on the other side. <laughs> you either say or you mad. Like, it's, it's, there was no fine line. Um, and so I grew up in that. Uh, when I was about 18, I was a youth leader um, in my church. And so I was a praise and worship leader for, for a long time. Uh, in my 20s, I continued in that space. And I went to college for music. And... Um, still being a praise and worship leader. And then I got signed right before college was over while I was leading praise and worship with Diana McClurkin. Um, and that's kind of the, the, the end of, Christophe Michelle's a Christian. Because all of a sudden I'm a secular artist. Wow. Mm. You know, that's so interesting because I feel like the, the way we put people in boxes, right? Like, as long as you're doing this, this is what identifies you as Christian. And as long as you're doing this, this is what identifies you as, you know, you go to hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's one of the things that this show is, that's that's really what we, are, we felt really called to do with this show because I'm a pastor, Angie runs the shade room, mm-hmm. but we both love and follow Jesus. And our goal is to have conversations that really point people to who Jesus is. And when I think about that, it does take me back to, you know, the elephant that is sometimes in the room, right? With the 2017 inaugural ball moment. But what I saw, and that's why I wanted to ask you, was that a moment that you saw that as a platform to say, hey, this is where faith and culture meets, right? Because we knew, we knew you for, we didn't know you for worship right, or for gospel, but you sang with a gospel artist. But was that one of the intentions in your heart to say, let faith meet culture in this moment? Culture is, you know, they're in pain because of what's going on. A lot of people are hurt. And this is a moment that I could use my gift to shine a light. Was that part of your intentions back then? Certainly. And that childish uh, grandiosity. Mm-hmm that comes with either being a Christian or being bipolar, mm-hmm. both, was the imagination behind it. Yeah. You imagine that the same kid who's singing at four years old and old ladies are throwing their hands up and feeling better is the same girl who was 18 years old and helped kids to come together and stop fighting mm-hmm. is the same kid who, well, maybe that works 
for the world too. Yeah. You know, and you call your friends and you say, bro, will you go up there with me and see what happens? And people always make it a gender issue as to the difference between how the world responded to Chrisette Michelle versus how the world responded to Travis Green, who I stood next to. Yeah. And I never see it like that. I always see it like the world didn't know that I was a worshiper yeah. unless they were around me. And the world knew that Travis was a worshiper because he brought what he does in his private life to the stage. Sometimes I do feel like the gender plays a part. And I know you don't want to come from that perspective, but when you look at like Lil Wayne or Kodak Black and see how they were so welcome back into the community, even after they aligned with Trump, and you didn't even align, you just performed there. But um, after they aligned with Trump in the public, they have been received differently. Like they drop a song, it's hot. Everybody's like, okay, we forget, you know? And then um, the way that you were, people attempted to cancel you and how hard people were on you was very different, you know? So you, you still don't think that there, like gender has any role? Cause I feel like I'm, black I'm, women get it hard. Yeah. You know? yeah, I'm clear on that, but that's not my growth point. Do you yeah, know? So yeah. it's not where I would focus cause it, that's not really helping me to um, come to grips with the part I played in that moment. I can't yeah. help being a black woman, but I can help um, how I express my Christianity. Yeah. Do you know? And I can help how I um, collaborate. I'm always going to be a black woman. Yeah. Do you know? So if it was a gender issue, there's not really too much I can do about that. Yeah. I think Amorosa was received back after she did her stint. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't sit there. I wouldn't sit yeah, at the gender right. part. Of it. But I hear you. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I get even what you're saying because... Like even when you mentioned how the, like what your expectation and your intentions were, like when you talk about, you know, encountering the Lord at nine, nine is also like a year that I met the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. And so I can see the, the childlike excitement of, if I do this, mm -hmm. this is gonna happen, right? That joy and that excitement. And so what you're saying is that you felt like your intentions were not heard um, because oh, you came as an r and Definitely, I mean, that's no question. Definitely not. And, and you get used to that in the industry. You know, I remember my very first interview. I sat in the magazine office and they said, what's it like to be a curvy girl in the music business and represent women with curves? And I was just like, I'm curvy. That's what I, I'm doing here. I'm representing curvy people. I didn't go in there thinking because I had wide hips and a small waist that I was representing the curvy. No one told me that. No one gave me that information. It's just when I showed up, that was my responsibility. A lot of times where you show up becomes your responsibility, even if you have different intentions. And so as a person in the business, you get used to being, um, I hate the sob story of this word, but misunderstood. You just get used to that. And, and, you, and you, you wait for it to pass. This time it took about four years. And we connect with that because even when when we came together about this show, like people don't even know the backstory, right? Yeah. Like we came together, we were praying together and it was like, God, what do you want to do? And the name actually came through Angie. <laughs> but she was like, I'm, I'm here in the same room. Like, that's the one thing that's coming to me. And I was like, no, that is it. But even Angie, you also had like your moments of 
like when you think about when people want to put you in a box, right? Mm. And it's like, but I can still declare Jesus. You just don't know that side about me. Yeah, I've definitely felt like because I do the shade room mm -hmm. or because I own the shade room that people feel like I can't talk about God. Like you can't talk about God. No, um, God is not pleased with you or God can't be working on you and using you. And I just feel like it's limiting because, you know, we talk about it all the time. When yeah. you look at the disciples, they foolish. And some of them, you know, like what they what they used to do. Um, and, and I just feel like God can use anyone. And sometimes he uses people who, you know, are examples of that, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wish we celebrated Christian culture more because then there would be more media around it. Do you know? We, we celebrate a lot of different cultures in the black community, but Christian culture, it, to us, it's so fun. Down to the fried chicken sandwiches. Because <laughs> hip hop gets beef patty and cocoa bread from Lauren Hill. Like, where, where do we have fun with our culture and let it be a thing so that when we are a culture, we're recognized. We can't see each other because we don't talk about each other in public. We don't talk about what it's like to be a Christian in public. We talk about who God is. We don't talk about who people are unless we have church. So I just don't think there's enough conversation about what it means to be saved. Mm -hmm. What would you say it means to you? It means that you get to have any perspective God gives you and you do not have to ask for permission. Mm -hmm. And that's exciting because you don't have to um, succumb to the status quo ideas. And people can say them, you can understand them, you can articulate them if you need to, but you're no longer responsible for what everybody else sees. You get to see the other side. You get to see the other side. You may not always be able to articulate it because that might get in the way of somebody else's faith. Um, but at least you can see. How many people do we know that can't see? Do you know, even if it feels hopeless, the hardest part about everything that happened around that moment was that even my sisters and brothers in Christ didn't expect hope. They didn't expect hopefulness. They didn't expect peace. I was supposed to be depressed. Uh, and so being saved, you get other ideas of what you are from the mind of Christ. Yeah. And you can walk that out if, you, if you're brave enough, no matter what anybody says. So during those four years, and I know that you're a person of hope, mm -hmm. but during those four years, did you experience any depression or any uh, feelings of hopelessness? Or were, or were you pretty much, you know, you got Jesus, everything is good? Like, kind of Oh, like, everything's never good. <laughs> Because everything's bad. That's the point of hope. Mm -hmm. To get you out of the stuff that isn't good. Mm -hmm. Ma, I've always been depressed. Mm -hmm. Since before the inauguration, being in the music business is insane. It's nuts. Mm -hmm. The questions that people ask me have always been my, my, what's the word? I can't think of the word, but it's the thing that you're just like, really? Like, can I asked God the other day, I was writing in a writing session with a friend. I asked him, I said, bro, like, do we get to ask God why people can't see us? Do we get to ask God what's the point of making the light if, you, if we have to walk in darkness? Because the light can't see you. If you got to go walk in the darkness, the light has no idea that you exist. And so you got just, you know, the, the light, like, oh, she over there in darkness. You know what I'm saying? And that's frustrating. Uh, 
as a as a Christian, when you're called to the dark areas. You talked about God, right, and Jesus being there for you and um, being the light in the darkness. So during this cancel season, right, of cancel culture um, and the persecution that came with it, what was the message that Jesus was sending you to continue to have that hope? Like, what did he give you signs? That's you, that's Instagram. You're not your phone. So if people are cursing out your phone, if people are commenting on your phone, put your phone down. I put my phone down and I let my phone be a phone and I let myself be myself. And I got really, 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 really alone with God. I mean, closet sessions. And it was so freaky because I kept writing music and my hands kept coming back to the piano. Then I picked up the guitar and started playing that. And it was one song after the next. And I'm like, who am I singing these for? Because the phone is, I'm not using that anymore. I'm not doing technology for a little while. So I began to just sing to him and just chat with him a lot. Uh, it took me about a year and a half of cognitive behavioral therapy and, and just a lot of that um, before I got a word for my offering. Because before that, the word was just for me. And the word for my offering was use your words. And I was like, well, God, nobody wants to talk to me. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I'm writing all the time, books, magazine articles, not for a magazine, just articles in case a magazine should call one day. Yeah. And I had all this stuff stored up. And I said, well, where am I going to put this guy? Like, where, where am I going to put all these words? He was like, pick your phone up. And the first thing I did was I went on to Instagram and I started making longer captions. And people were talking about these captions like I was writing some something amazing. I was like, all right, God, you know. And that lasted for about three or four months. And I said, okay, what's next? And then I went to IGTV and I started doing these IG live chats. And thousands of people were tuning in and asking questions. Then I began to open up his word and share that on Instagram. And it was all on Instagram. I said, God, you know, this is really, you know, it's really embarrassing. You know, you could have had a TV show called, I could have got something really cool. I was famous before, Lori. <laughs> like Instagram, anybody can do that. He was like, keep going. So my following grows by tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands. And, and I didn't run out of words. And so then I started to write more and I added it then into poetry and started putting that up and then into a podcast and started putting it. And before I knew it, all the stuff that I had never said as an R&B singer, I was finally saying, and I began to feel seen for who I am and not just for a couple of forevers or a song with Rick Ross. It was as if he stripped me of everything so that I could re-see myself and then re-say myself, you know, for the people who never heard me before. And it was so fulfilling. That is very powerful. And I think that we all have moments where we go through that, right? In the church, we'll call it the wilderness season, oh, yeah. right? And so one thing I do have to ask you is in that time, because when I think about when I went through like some of the hardest moments in my life, you start questioning so much, right? And in that four-year period of putting your phone down, because what I'm also hearing is 
like there was no communication. Like I was not having that much communication with that many people, right? So I wonder if that was an isolated time, but at the same time, you know, did you ever have any experiences of regret, right? And when I say regret, I recognize that regret can be both healthy and unhealthy, right? Because at the core, regret is saying that, hey, I did something and I recognize that perhaps maybe the way I did it was wrong, right? And I can do better. But there is also the unhealthy relationship that brings shame, that brings um, suicidal thoughts. Like, did you, what was your relationship with it if you ever had it? I regret not being confident in um, who I am as a Christian. Mm. Because if, if I was confident in who I am as a Christian and who God has called me to be as a Christian, then I would have known that I was already on the right path and I didn't have to prove that everything could be okay. God can prove that himself. Yeah. I didn't have to speak on God's behalf mm -hmm. on no on January, whatever day, seventeenth. I didn't have to I didn't have to, you know, and you read James and you're like, well we gotta defend the gospel. <laughs> well you didn't defend the gospel. You 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 told people, you know, that everything was gonna be alright and everything might not be okay. And that's still gospel because God's still available when things are yeah. absolutely insane. So I think a lot of times as Christians and, and, and zealous Christians especially, we want to prove that God's real. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to. We just have to defend the gospel. And the way that I learned that I defend the gospel is by just letting his fruit show up in me everywhere I go. I don't have to do a, a, a magic trick. So that was kind of, you know, my life lesson that I get to keep from that. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. And I think what I love even in hearing that is like coming to a place of saying, you know, I was I want I was like overzealous, right? I wanted to let the world know like, hey, this is going to work out. This everything is going to be fine. But it's like at the same time, um, it's just like the re the recognition of like this is life, right? We live, we learn, we make mistakes. Like we were having a conversation about this episode and it's the fact that you know, the difference between accountability and judgment, right? Because when we do something, to be held accountable says it's to humanize people, mm -hmm. right? It's to say, look, part of life is living, it's learning. And what that means is I'm going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And a mistake to me, being wrong to me is a gift because it says that it expands my ability to grow, right? And what you just shared is so beautiful because you learned, there was something that you saw in God that it's like, I don't need to defend your name, right? I don't need to make it make it all, always seem like everything is going to be perfect because it's not, right? It's not always going to be perfect from a human perspective. So I love what that growth is like, but I think that when it comes to accountability, we're able to look at each other and say, part of living is making mistakes, mm -hmm. right? But judgment is what fuels this whole nature of cancel culture. And it's and that's why we really wanted to talk to you about this because there are so many people out there that are experiencing it on whatever level, whether it's from a public, you know, a public uh, grand level, or maybe within their family or within their community, where something ghosting goes. Ghosting now. Ghosting, yeah, it's all part of that. It's all the mm -hmm. fruit of cancel culture. I don't think people feel understood in general. Mm -hmm. I think that we live in such a fast-paced world that people are finding sound bites even in grocery shop conversations. And so people are so afraid of being misunderstood that they stop speaking. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so when God said, use your words, it was such a challenge for me because I knew people weren't listening. And I knew people have lost the ability to decipher sentences. And so my challenge was, how can you formulate your words to speak to the brokenhearted and keep their attention for a few more seconds? Mm-hmm. And so what I've decided to do consciously is not use trigger words. And sometimes trigger words is church. I'd rather say a group of people who want to do nice things. Just so I don't scare the crap out of you. I'm not even going to say come. I'm going to say come over and let's have sandwiches. I'm not going to say fellowship. You're going to be freaked out and upset because of something happened when you were nine. So I think people are just petrified of even saying anything at all. All of us. And that's why you get terminology like, if that makes sense. You hear kids say all the time, if that makes sense. It's like, baby, come here. That made perfect blanking sense. You hear me? And if you doubt if it made sense again, like at what point are you able to think something, really believe it, find a sentence and say it in this society? There's no safety for speaking. And so I I think that that's why um, people feel judged all the time. I feel like that's why cancel culture is so easy because people are even afraid to stand up for themselves and say what they actually think because nobody's listening yeah because what would you even say you know is the fear of cancel culture because even as we're talking about the power of using your voice many of us we learn that through also the people that we idolize right if we see people standing up for what they believe in then we have the you know it's almost like it gives us the inspiration Mm -hmm. but in this culture right now where everyone is so afraid of being silenced so we all just gather with a popular belief what would you say is the experience of just seeing it from a cultural perspective I mean, I would say from a cultural perspective, I feel like there are two different types of people, right? Mm-hmm. There's one type that is so scared of cancel- of being canceled that they don't speak their mind. Mm-hmm. They just shy away from, you know, every platform. They don't want to speak. They don't want to say their true opinions. And then you have the other side. <laughs> they don't care. They like, y'all can't cancel me. And uh, they'll speak what they, they'll say what they want to say. They'll do what they want to do. And they never get canceled. Mm. I mean, they may there may be attempts, but you can't cancel them. Like they'll come back, release their music. You know what I mean? Like they 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 because they're so um, they just have this belief that they can't be canceled. The mindset of you can't cancel me is so powerful mm. because then people begin to see that person as someone that can't be canceled. You know, um, and so it's like I, I definitely feel like the fear of of being canceled is debilitating it's mm. um it's limiting and and almost you know if you believe it you are canceled you know what yeah. i mean and so it's really about being bold and saying no this is my perspective this is who i am you can't cancel me because really people get canceled on twitter every day <laughs> that's just the truth <laughs> like literally every yeah. day right they get canceled they get canceled um and and so it's bound to happen like it's, it's it's just jumping from one celebrity mm-hmm. to the next celebrity to the next celebrity but i definitely think that being bold in who you are and your stance like you say now i was a you know there were things that you didn't say before but now that you're saying them and you feel free to be yourself is the is the key yeah. i wasn't able to say much nobody wanted to talk So when you're a celebrity on my level, and by my level, I mean, I wasn't this big, famous, you know, superstar. I was a soul singer from Long Island. I'm not special or cool. 
where I'm a trend, so you're going to make sure that they hear what she has to say. You are a trend to us. Thank you. I'll say that. But <laughs> from, from my experience, I wasn't trendy enough to be listened to in that moment. Um, and so, uh, again, I was a uh, R&B girl singing a gospel song. That's not even a trendy thing to talk about. Um, and so when I was on the front pages of newspapers in New York City and Philadelphia, I couldn't call those newspapers and say, hey, it's Corsette, can I get an interview? Because I wasn't that kind of an artist. I didn't, I'm not a media person. I, I, I'm not afraid, I wasn't afraid of being canceled, but it never even occurred to me to be canceled because I flow in the candlelight, you know, theaters, uh, <laughs> long gowns. Yeah. We don't cancel each other in that part yeah. over there. So when I was canceled, I was like, I didn't even know I was that famous. I didn't even know that many people, I'm more famous now that I'm canceled, this is crazy God, just so you, so you know, than I was before. What are you trying to show me? And at the end of the day, a part of it was, if you come back from this crazy, you better start talking because I'm gonna put some eyes on you this time. The first time around, I was I didn't want eyes on me. I was I'm, I've never been, and so when when I was canceled, it was like all right, well let's go back to being ourselves for a second, and see what's there, you know. But I didn't have big opportunities to talk to, especially not the black community. Wendy Williams wouldn't take my call, do you know? Just somebody who's swimming what I had. So there weren't there weren't spaces for me to go and defend myself or speak up for myself. So I just did that with God. Wow. But in a way, you you rejected cancellation because you put your phone down and said, this is the phone. And yeah. It's not me. Yeah, that was yeah, a power yeah. statement. That's, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's about really understanding that your life isn't over. I don't know, I don't know what it's like to be canceled. Um, I can assume that it's like, I, I can't even imagine it, right? But there's just as long as you don't internalize that and say, I'm canceled. I really yeah. am, as a person, canceled my my future is canceled my career is forever canceled like as long as that's not internalized i believe that anybody can come back from anything so do you feel like anybody can come back from cancellation and the question i think is do you want to come back the question is what does it mean to come back Wh whose idea was it that you should come back the power of perspective to me is why would i be thinking about coming back if that's not the next step who said i had to come back like, who, who said that? And so when, when people are like, come out with another album, who said I was coming out with another album? Do you know? And I sit with that for a year and a half as well. It's, what would I like to do next? And the words, your career, we take so much ownership over this life as if it's ours. The whole point of being saved is letting God take the wheel. If he allows you to go through it, I just went through it. He probably has a really awesome idea on the other side. Just got to sit until you see it. And that's what I was doing. I was waiting to see what the crap he was looking at. Because I didn't see another R&B album. Why would I do that? I can sing in my kitchen if this is about, do you, people, do you still sing oh, all the time? You just can't hear me because my phone is, you know. And so, you know, I think, I think what I've struggled with is why would I re-enter that space? 
getting back into the studio with Titans now is the first time where I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> We're going back over there, Chris. Pull it together, girlfriend. Get you some, you know, lip gloss and 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 some, you know, stilettos because it feels right to me now. But for four years, I had no even desire. I wasn't sad. I just was using my words on Instagram or writing books or starting, you know, private communities on Instagram. I didn't, I didn't want to sing to people. What I love about that is just the reinvention of self that happened in that process, right? Allowing God to just like uncover and pull the different layers of your identity. And I think that for someone watching this who might be on the other side of just the consequences of actions, right? That could come in and literally close a door. And when you say like, who needs to go back? Like, what is the thing about going back, right? If I if I decide to go back, or if I if there's something that I'm called to that looks like going back, then of course. But it's such a powerful statement because it tells that person that even if something in your life caused a door to shut on you, right? That door does not define you. Like there's so much to you, and to allow those that moment or that journey to see what, what else is God saying about you that you may not even know about yourself. Like, who are you, right? Beyond this one thing that you've always done or this one place that you have defined yourself as, like, who are you? So I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Sarah Jakes was doing a talk on YouTube during the pandemic mm -hmm. and she was just sitting at a table. It wasn't a, you know, a, like a traditional sermon. And she goes, I'm making a call out to all the peacemakers. I sat in my house and I said, peacemakers, make peace. I'm an artist, I can make peace. <laughs> this sound like something I've been, when she said that, when I tell you, I went on a rampage to create peace. I'm talking about whatever I could purchase that looked peaceful, whatever I could make and whatever I could say. I. I I started an academy, the Inner Peace Academy. And I, because I had created so much peace in my personal life, I said, who said I can't share this with other people? That was like that kid at nine years old who never really got a chance to fully evolve. I did a, a reality TV show and like one other like acting thing. And when I look at the royalty check on each of them, both episodes and my character on both of them were called Peacemaker. I didn't even know that. They didn't say, hi, we'd like to hire you to be the peacemaker in your reality series. They were just like, come on. Something about me, God is called to be that. I mean, we all are, but that resonated with me so heavily. Sometimes when there's a setback, it's a time to like look back and see what did it make it to this, this space with you? How much stuff did, did you forget that was in you that the other parts of your life took up so much space you didn't even get to develop? So I got to develop a lot of other stuff. So if I get to sing as well now, I feel like I'll feel really full. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, what, like if there's something we can all share, right? Mm -hmm. That to speak to just every individual watching this, what is the role that we can play when it comes to changing the narrative of cancel culture to accountability culture, right? And so, and why, why I say that is, because what I'm hearing from you 
is someone who took the time. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, took the time for herself to be like accountable, not only to herself, but accountable to God, right? And so what is something that we can all share with people watching this? Let's change the narrative, yeah. you know, that makes it healthy. I'll be 100% honest. If you want to cancel somebody, cancel them and then give them time. If you're going to cancel someone, cancel them. Walk away. If you, if you must cancel them, you do not have to stay there. And re-cancel them every day, right? Cancellations are final. The reason why it doesn't work is because you're sticking around doing it again and again. I can't. You're still watching. You know, let me in, in experience this this wilderness. Let me experience this 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 cleansing. Let me really have it. I feel like in some instances, people are petrified for you to really get alone because now they can't control your narrative. God forbid you really allow me to be canceled for an entire four years and God continues to provide like manna from heaven. Don't let me come out of this. Do you know? You hear old ladies be like, should have been dead and gone. Should have killed me while you could have. You know, those, those old testimony services. I'm not old, but I'll be saying that because now, now I've been revived i've been restored so if you really are canceling someone release them release them go ahead and do it because once you're gone and you've uh, given up on them or whatever it is you're deciding to do they have two choices deal with it or not and that's up to them it's up to them i would say uh my the my point of view is to not cancel the person but to cancel the behavior mm -hmm. because it's what they did that you don't like you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i feel like who they are can evolve so you may not like this person today because of what they did but what if they learn to be better you know what mm -hmm. i mean will will that still stand and so for me it's less you know accountability is for the behavior and if we cancel the behavior the person can still come out of that right yeah. and so i would say that's mine is to just focus on the behavior but allow people to you know you be you know what I mean? <laughs> you say the gender issue because how can you focus on her behavior not his mm -hmm. that, i mean when you say yes yes i see where i see where you're coming from yeah i mean i think for me i would say even starting with the inner circle because one of the things that I have noticed is that when someone is, let's say, being canceled in the limelight, right? You see people who, at least from watching, we assumed were their friends, tweeting immediately. Oh and or I, I think the, the most interesting thing I've ever seen is someone going oh, yeah. on Instagram saying that, hey man, you know, give me a call sometime. And I'm like, but you have his number though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> why, why, did, why is this a PSA for Instagram, right? And so I think, I believe that it starts even with the inner circle, that when people are being canceled in the public eye, that those that are their friends, if you have a person's number, before you tweet, before you do something, give them a call before you, like, I think every time I see someone doing a PSA on Instagram or Twitter, I cringe. Because it's like, if you're like, hey, man, we've been friends, like, 
I can't believe you would do this. Mm -hmm. Give me a call sometime. And it's like you have their number, right? So it really starts with the inner circle. Call the person, text the person, because you have a perspective, you have a relationship with them that if if you really know them, maybe you can hear something that the public Mm -hmm. could not see. Because I think for the public, if your friends are agreeing with my opinion, oh, then this person must be trash, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like if no one can say, hey, this is not what's going on, like A, B, C, D. But if everyone joins this bandwagon of the groupthink and popular opinion, that doesn't help anything. And did you experience that? I experienced it a whole lot of people I actually knew who actually had my number who didn't call but went on Instagram. And my whole thing was like, God, you must really want me to be by myself. Yeah. Like... You, you must be fixated. I must have really done a bad job with spending time with you because if people were meant to save me, they could have called. Do you know? If they really wanted to say that stuff, they could have said it to me. And that didn't happen. That was kind of freaky. That was when I began to become disappointed. Was when good people or people who I thought were good people, and they're human, do you know what I mean? But when good people are like, oh, I'm going to go on Twitter and say what I think about you and not call you. It was mm-hmm. like, that freaked me out. That, that was the beginning of the freak out. Like, okay, go by yourself now. Yeah. Well, I would just love for us to maybe even use this time for prayer. And so, Chrisette, would you like to close us out in prayer? Sure. Yeah. And just, you know, whatever is on your heart, we're believing that people would be drawn to this and the people who almost have become what they dislike without even knowing it. Because when I think of cancel culture, I think that it is driven by hurt people that, you know, the the thing of like hurt people hurt people. Right. But the people that have been hurt by people's actions, but not they're doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so just to speak into that person, um, whatever God puts on your heart. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for peace in places that seem so dark. We thank you for clarity of vision when all the world seems to be speaking against us. We thank you for being accepted when we feel like the world is rejecting us. We thank you for validation when the world asks us to believe that we're invalid. We thank you, Lord God, for restoring our faith in the driest of places providing us with day-to-day provision as we walk closer and closer to who it is that you're calling us to be. God, we ask today that you would be with the ones who broke us, that you would allow them to find a new perspective on who you are. You would allow them to find a new perspective on how to communicate. You would allow them to find a new perspective on how to evolve their community, how to grow their community, how to be impactful in their community. Give them new ideas and witty inventions on how to create conversations like these ones today. Lord, we thank you for this conversation. We thank you for the creativity and the bravery to create this moment. And we ask that you would let there be many more like it so that we could evolve the idea of what it means to be a Christian and a Christian in culture. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.